Well, we can all agree, though, that very, very little can beat the sheer unadulterated joy of watching a football game in a stadium. Now, that stadium's got thousands and thousands of people. All these men wielding microphones every now and again have got such an influence to get you to miss out on going to the field. Now, the kind of influence that they have is so much that when you see a football game and you don't hear their voices, you know that something is wrong. Now, the kind that brings us countless iconic moments in this beautiful game and even making you wish that you saw the goal live. Hey, that's when you're listening to radio, watching it on TV. And they're just times that make you want it to happen one more time. Those times are when I don't, know, I don't even know. But that's the kind of influence that for amidst 90 minutes of reporting what happens, a civil, professional, workmanlike manner, uh, there come moments when they just simply lose it. And when they go absolutely ballistic, revealing and reveling in what uh, they had seen. Now, also marveling at what they had witnessed. And we love them for that. And that is why we've got on the line, coming through live from the United Kingdom, is uh, the legendary Martin Tyler. Good evening, Martin. Welcome. Hi, Robert. It's always been a pleasure to talk to you, but we're talking in different times now, aren't we? It's a, it's a very sad uh, moment in history around the world, and I know it's affecting you as much as it is over here. And I can only wish all your listeners uh, keeping safe and following the instructions. And while waiting to speak to you, I've been hearing some of those, and we're having the same, um, the same issues here, and we're trying to do our best to look after those around us as well as ourselves. And how are you managing, though, Martin? Because I'm, I'm sure in your entire broadcasting life and career and just your existence on this planet as well, <laughs> we haven't seen anything like this. No, I was born after the Second World War, and those who are a bit older than me probably will, uh, I suppose, equate it to the um, deprivations that happened then but and the indiscriminate way that uh, lives were lost in wartime of course as it is seemingly indiscriminate with this awful disease but um i think everybody uh, is concerned obviously with what's happening at the moment but you know what is the exit strategy how is it going to end when will we get our our lives back and let alone our football back which obviously means a lot to uh, a lot of people but there are bigger issues than that and um it's it's the uncertainty that probably is the uh, the biggest thing to deal with really for me working at home I, i've been contributing to i work for sky sports in the uk and we have a website and if anyone wants to go and look on that they'll find some contributions from me i do some quiz questions uh, light-hearted stuff to try and raise the spirits a little bit of those who are uh, in need of that um and we've done a quiz with gary neville and jamie carragher which i hopefully will be online quite soon we've done that with actually visually not just on the on the sound only uh, concepts of, of a website or of a blog you know so we um, we're trying we're trying to in our own tiny way just make a contribution to those who are sitting at home probably with less to reach out for than, than the more fortunate ones of us 
Yeah, because uh, and, and that's great, though, and I urge anybody as well to go onto the website to, to go and check that out because people are just missing that uh, that touch and feel of football. I was talking about the commentary and the kind of influence, Martin, that uh, personalities like yourself do have over us normal human beings. It's just uh, amazing that even if you, you go back and you watch a couple of old football matches, you know, things aren't the same. That edge of the live game is missing, but then there's a bigger catastrophe around us. Yes, you're spot on, Robert, as always. But it, it, it's strange that you mention the, the games, the old games that are being rolled out. And I'm probably on the air more at the moment than I would be if we were having the normal schedule of matches that was in the fixture list for this time of the year. Because a lot of the retro games, uh, I watched the famous Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3, which I've always regarded as the best 90 minutes I've ever commentated on. And I, I got to tell by my bosses that they were running it again. I thought, oh, my goodness, am I going to watch it again and change my opinion? But happily, I can tell you, I watched it again and, and stick by my opinion. It was riveting, uh, attacking football from first whistle to last, right to the end when Liverpool scored the decisive goal. And uh, So that, that, that's kind of fun, but obviously we all want to get back to the real thing. And um, please God, that happens soon. Sure. Why would you say, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting as well that uh, you would say that that's the best bit of uh, 90 minutes of football that you've mm. done. Um, it would lead me to ask and say, why was it because of the number of goals that were scored, the kind of quality that was there? Um, that was the one when in 97. Uh, no, the 96 one. 97 was the, uh, it was 4-3 the following year, and there was a, yeah. a great uh, a great outcry, because people remembered the game from a year, and they said, oh, would it be the same again? And I think the bookmakers had a bit of fun with it, and, and lost out, probably. Um, but the, it was the 96 one, when both Liverpool and Newcastle were going for the title, right. and uh, uh, neither won it in the end, um, and uh, it was... Uh, it was 4-3 uh, Robbie Fowler gave Liverpool the lead after two minutes and Newcastle equalised after ten minutes David Ginola uh, he scored the goal that made it 2-1 Les Ferdinand equalised uh, Aspria scored and Collymore scored two Fowler scored two so they were fine players and uh, it was a top quality cast um, with a lot to play for and the draw was no good to either team so they went at it hell for leather right from the start really and the fact Liverpool actually it was as well they scored in the, the 92nd minute or whatever it was because they couldn't hold a lead in, at any point in the game. Every time they scored, uh, Newcastle came straight back at them. Uh, it, was, it was just just special. and uh, it, it, I, I did sit down to watch it with my, uh, my South African partner, um, very happily involved with a lady from your part of the world, yes. and she'd never seen it before. And so she said, oh, I've got to see it because you keep talking about it being the best game ever. And, uh, and it flew by, and, and I think she realized what I'd been talking about. She loved it as much as I did. When you look back and watch back a game like that, and, and you've got to almost detach Martin Tyler from being Martin Tyler, the person that's watching. Do you give yourself a critique of how you've handled the game? I would really would love to hear that aspect. I do. I'm very tough on myself. It wasn't 
perfect. The commentary, the game was perfect, <laughs> but the commentary wasn't. Uh, one or two things that I wished I had changed. But one thing I did say in it, which uh, I was quite pleased to relocate on, because I, you hear the goals, you know, the goals get played quite a lot. So I, I know the commentary lines basically on the goals, but you don't hear, obviously, all the stuff in between, the majority of what you produced on the night. And I did say, for those, I, get, I said something like, I get asked which is the best game I've ever commentated on, and I think we've got another candidate here. And I said that actually during the match, although 24 years ago, it was run on the date, the anniversary on Friday was the 3rd of April, and it was on the 3rd of April 1996 it was played. So they, they picked their moment to, to bring it out. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. The, the commentary was okay, but it wasn't... Um, yeah, no commentator will ever tell you, Robert, that they've done a perfect job because you're, you're trying to do the, the, the impossible. It's impossible to do a perfect commentary, but we always try, all of us are set out to do it, and there may be some are listening, you know, some in, in your country, and, and the feeling of inadequacy is always the first feeling afterwards. You always think, oh, I wish I'd said that, or more often, I wish I hadn't said that, um, because so much is said over the period, and, uh, you know, in 90 minutes, you um, it's not a script, there's nothing written down. I do write down some, I write down the, the opening for the, the team news, because we have a very limited time to get that in, you know, maybe 20 seconds on each team, so you can't faff about with it, really. So I write that down, and then uh, then we're off and running, and we ad-lib our way through 90 minutes three or four times a week. <laughs> and you've got to try and come up with the Calamity James kind of uh, uh, <laughs> name in the end, because when you get the kind of goalkeeping that David James had at some point, uh, letting in the likes of uh, Keith uh, Gillespie at the time, it, it, it was remarkable. But, uh, yeah, in the end, he coined it himself. Yes, I think there are things like that that do come along and you, you know, you, you get caught. I, I do try and listen to what young people are saying because the vocabulary does change down the years and I think how people my age spoke when I was, my age now spoke when I was 10 or 12 years old, it sounded so antiquarian, really. And uh, I noticed we had a wonderful broadcast from uh, Her Majesty the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, uh, yesterday, and she's 93, and it was delivered impeccably. It's probably, people are saying it's the best broadcast she's ever made. Um, but I did notice she spoke a little bit more in tune with uh, the way people talk in the United Kingdom today than maybe when she was speaking as a a young queen back in the 1950s, things do change. So uh, sentences, vocabulary, and use of words, change of meaning of words, you have to be careful with that. Politically incorrect words, obviously that changes over the years as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah it's a, it, it sounds like a minefield. It's not. It's a marvellous job, and I just hope I get the chance to do it again sometime. I mean, you talk about international commentary and you talk about South Africa as well. Uh, somebody did send a voice note earlier and they were saying if you speak to Martin, just ask him if he gets uh, any chance, I don't know if you do, uh, to listen to any of the football uh, commentary. I know that you've dealt with one particular individual that you, you'll tell us uh, who he is, but do you get a chance to listen at all to local stuff from South Africa? Well, I, I speak to Dwayne and uh, he's very... Um, 
you know, I, I talk to him about about his work, and uh, there are other radio stations like yourselves who, who who talk to me about it. But to actually listen to it while it's happening, and normally we're far too busy doing a game, from maybe even the same game, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think it's. Uh, it, I, I went to work for. Um, the United States and the World Cup in South Africa, that's when we met. I was working for um, for USA Television, ESPN, and uh, there was a bit of a discussion about how we should do it, because some of the words are different. I mean, what, what we call a draw, they call a tie. What I call a tie is something I put on when I'm going out to work, really. Um, and so we were a lot of things like that. And in the end, they came to what I thought was a very wise conclusion. It was their conclusion that we've got you in here because of the way you sound the way you do. Don't try and change it for us. So um, although I could probably give some advice on the principles of commentary to other commentators, um, the, the way you do it in each country is peculiar to each country. And, and I do think that there is a style. I mean, the South American style, I suppose, I... I, I did touch that a little bit when Sergio Aguero won the league for Manchester City in 2012. Um, but uh, I couldn't do that every week, and they do it every week really, uh, really very much um, in their own, what, what, what appeals to their, their audience. So I try to be, it's, it's not an act, Robert, what I do. What you do is not an act. It's what we are. We're on the air long enough to be, uh, we couldn't act it out. We have to be true to ourselves, and that's all I try to do. True to myself, but that's only secondary. True to my love of the game, really. I have I've wonderful passion for football and huge respect for those people who play it and who manage in it, and uh, that's the sort of guiding principle, really. I love what you said about Sergio Aguero and the 2012 incident. Care to remind us what would have brought that twist about? Was it just the being captured by the moment, uh, the enormity of it all, and the drama that engulfed everything that was going on at the time? Yes. I mean, I think the, a good friend of mine said to me a, a few months later, um, he hadn't heard it, but he'd heard it subsequently, and I hadn't seen him in the interim. And he said to me, oh, well done with the Aguero moment. And I said, well, you know, it's Sergio's moment, really, and Manchester City's moment. And he went, you could have messed it up. He didn't use the word mess, actually. It's a word I can't use on the air is what he actually said. Um, uh, and I suppose that's, that was the first thing. But I didn't think anything about it at the time. I just reacted to it. And um, it does take you... These special moments take you, takes you to, as a commentator to a place that you can't reach without those moments. It's something extra that you've got in your footballing soul, I suppose. And it was just an extraordinary moment. One of the, you couldn't have written the script really before. Uh, you, you go into a commentary imagining scenarios, what could happen, what, what might happen here, what might happen there. You, you have a think at, about as part of the preparation. But this was unimaginable, what happened, that they needed two goals in added time to win the title. And if they didn't, then Manchester United would finish their game, who were standing on the pitch at Sunderland, looking at the monitors that we provided yeah. um, for watching what was happening back in Manchester. And it all unfolded in front of their eyes, in front of the watching world as well. And uh, it was right at the end of a, of a 
20th Premier League season, virtually the last kick of the season. Manchester City hadn't won the title, I think, since 1968, and this was 2012. So, And they had a reputation for botching it up on the big day, so they very nearly did botch it up again. And uh, it was just... Uh, the best thing I can tell you about it, Robert, I can tell you two things about it, really. One, Mark Hughes was the manager of Queen's Park Rangers, and he'd been a player at Manchester United, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Wales, big games, and, and managed extensively as well at that stage of his career. And he said it was the noisiest moment he'd ever heard in a football ground, ever. Um, and so that, I think, told you what it meant. To, it wasn't the biggest crowd that ever been. It was a big crowd, but not, not, not the biggest ever. So that, that, kind, of, that kind of noise was, um, was uh, something that made it very, very special, I guess. But um, the other thing that I always recall about it, because I did, this isn't fabricating it after the event, I, I felt it at the time. When Aguero took a touch, I knew he'd score. And I was 100% sure he'd score in that instant. And I, I guess I just drew a bit of breath then. And what came out is what came out. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were about to relive that moment. Live, oh, you can't, you can't. Yeah, I get asked every every week. I get asked to do it. Do Aguero for me. It's do impossible. it on my phone. Do it, and I can't because that's that's the special nature of it. You you have to be. I'm not an actor. I can't in act. In the moment, I, that was me and mm. and everybody else. To be fair, in the ground, but it it was, and, and I have to have another moment like that to to reach out for it again. And probably once or twice since then, it might have happened. But it doesn't happen every week. And if it did, you would sound the same, wouldn't you? Oh, well, you know, anybody who got an O or an I at the end of their name, you just screech it and. Uh, um, and I actually, I commentated on a lot of Aguero goals since then. <laughs> and I and you never ventured you, that way. <laughs> you, you could rate it, but I've never been anywhere near like that. No. <laughs> Ken Yusuf Fuso on Twitter says, Wow, I still play my PlayStation 3 FIFA 11, and he is still my best commentator uh, on that disc. All right, let's listen to a couple of the voice notes. We've got a couple of minutes left uh, uh, before we close it off, and uh, let's uh, just try and line them up. I know a lot of you have been sending through uh, voice notes uh, for Martin Tyler, as you say, uh, trying to uh, figure out what's keeping him busy, what's keeping you busy. It's a very, very strange and eerie time uh, in our lives as well. Let's listen in. Oh, Mr. Mahal, you've got the great Martin Tyler there. Oh, what a man, what a great commentator he is. You know, him and, and the legendary Andy Gray, yo, those guys, their commentary, the combination, I used to love it. But I still enjoy Martin Tyler. He's the best. Thank you for having him. Hello, Robert. You've got the legendary the, um, Mr. Martin Tyler, or should I say Sir Martin Tyler? Well, I still have the flashbacks of the 2011-2012 season. Manchester City up against Queen's Park Rangers. When Sergio Aguero scored that third goal, I remember yeah. when Martin Tyler said, I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Wow, that was special, Rob. Thank you. This is Somila from George. Uh, Mr. Marawa, this is Bran from Bram Fisher. Martin Tyler reminds me of the late Tobo Manyapil when you were interviewing him on your show, talking about Martin Tyler and that story of the... I can't remember the two teams were playing by that time, but the story that they were climbing 12 stairs of Lourdes when they went to pick up the cup. 
that man is a legend. And when he was asked whether he will he retire in the near future, he said, as long as Martin Tyler is still broadcasting, I I, I will not retire anytime soon. Wow. Oh, Parops. Oh, Reaction Monday. You are with the legend, Martin Tyler. I just loved him on my game. I still play my PlayStation 3, like uh, FIFA 11, when he's there, like he's the commentator mostly, all of those games. Oh, I just love that guy. He's the best commentator when I play PlayStation. He just do the magic for me. Oh, he just do the magic. Some kind of Fusa in Jamestown. I'm listening, man. Just the best commentator I know. English one. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kenya. Uh, so thanks so much for the voice notes. Um, people yeah, thank you. Listening. Thank you, guys, yeah. for all that. That's, that's really put, put a tear in my eye, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's amazing to think, you know, that we're lucky. We go to the games. We, we have the best seat in the house. And, um, but we also have a big responsibility to try and transmit it to everybody who feels about football the same as we do. And it's gratifying to know that, that um, in a long, a long, long way from where I live, it, uh, it still resonates. So um, thank you. Just finally, your personal opinion on what should happen just very briefly, football resuming, start again in July, pay cuts, all sorts of things have been happening behind the scenes. What, what's Martin Tyler's take on, on everything? Uh, my take is a simple one, that football has to take its place in the pecking order. Saving lives is the most important thing, and we should all at the moment put those... There are those who have to make those decisions, and I don't envy them. Um, but we should all play our part in trying to make it easier for them by trying to do the right things to make sure this virus goes away and goes away for good. Well said, Martin. We'll keep checking up on you. Thank you so much, as always, for always affording us the time. It's a pleasure, Robert. Good luck to you all. Stay Thank safe. you so much. Stay, stay strong. Stay strong, Martin. Thank you very, very much yeah. indeed. Uh, that's a legendary Martin Tyler there joining us on the line from the UK, uh, just giving us a quick update on um, what he's doing. And I think some great, you know, jogging down memory lane, um, so to speak. And I'm glad that some of you still remember that uh, QPR game. I think one of the voice notes uh, alluded to the 2010-2011 game, uh, Queen's Park Rangers uh, uh, coming forward. And I think uh, somebody also alluded to the Andy Gray uh, commentary matchup with Martin Tyler. So... Great stuff. Thank you so much, man. Uh, all I can say, as always, is, man, it is incredible.